Our God is a missionary God, and we are His missionary people. You're listening to The Scent Life, the official podcast of the Center for Great Commission Studies at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Well, hello and welcome to this special episode of our podcast that we call From the Four Corners, Scent Life Stories of the Global Church. Again, I want to thank the Center for Great Commission Studies for allowing us to use their platform and to talk about our global theological initiative. My name is Dr. John Ewart. I'm the Associate Vice President of the GTI, as well as of ministry centers here. I'm also a professor of missions and pastoral leadership. In an earlier episode, you heard me give a brief introduction of what our global theological initiative is, but today we have a packed studio. Uh, We have all of the directors from the GTI world crammed into this little room together to talk about what they're doing. And what we really want to focus on in this episode are some of the strategies for uh, our global theological initiative, but also for the global church and missions. And so let me just go around the table for a few minutes and introduce who's in the room so that you'll have an awareness and then you'll be hearing from each of them. Think of this as a a panel discussion because that's really what we're going to do. So we have Dr. Anna Dobb here with us. She's the Director of Special Projects and Partnerships, focusing especially on our doctoral programs and also for training of women in the global church. You'll be hearing more about her in a later episode. She'll be hosting uh, many of our episodes. You heard her in the first episode. We also have Dr. Ricardo Sanchez, who is the director of our Hispanic Leadership Development Office, focusing, of course, on all things in Spanish all around the world. We have the uh, we have almost the Dr. Kambiz Sagwe, who leads our Persian Leadership Development Office, uh, almost because his, as of the recording of this podcast, his uh, oral defense is tomorrow. So, and I get to be a part of that. So I'm going to torture him. Then we also have <laughs> the soon-to-be doctor, Minu Jang, who leads our East Asian Leadership Development Office. And that geography ought to tell you where he's focused. So we're real excited about being together. This is a team that uh, works together all the time. And so we just wanted to share a little bit about what GTI is and why. And so as we, we kick it off, um, let's just think for a few minutes. I'm going to ask uh, Ricardo, if you would, just think about for a minute, why are we targeting Why are we targeting the global church? What, what do you think? And then others get ready to join in on this. Well, the Global Theological Initiative Office has focused in global outreach and in the training of the church globally. So the global church is our key partner, let's put it that way. And we see that come to a reality in local churches all over the world and with uh, local seminaries that are also training the pastors and the leadership of these uh, different regions in different languages, in different subcultures. So we target the global church because we we exist for the global church. Sure, and and for us, the word global doesn't necessarily exclude North America. Mm -hmm. It doesn't exclude the United States. So we're also looking at ethnic populations, immigrant populations, language populations that are located here in our own country, too. So we we share all that. Dr. Dobb, what would you add to that? I would add Southeastern Seminary, our, our big focus is on the Great Commission. And we will, we will not fulfill the Great Commission without the partnership of the global church. This is not a commission for the church in America alone. This is not a, a commission for the, the church in the West alone. But 
the, the Great Commission has gone forth. People have become believers. They've taken on the mantle of the Great Commission themselves. And together we will fulfill this Great Commission. And we see this our role in global theological initiatives is strategic because we're training leaders who will then train up and raise up this army of global church mobilizers, global church participants in the Great Commission. Yeah, I, th- I think I said in the last episode that and, and I don't mean this in any disparaging way, but the Americans are not going to fulfill the Great Commission alone. Mm-hmm. And even though we're very much embedded in Western missions, and here at Southeastern, we send out more American missionaries than, than any of the other seminaries you know, together. And so we, we recognize that you know, it's a significant part, and, mm-hmm. and we still play a role. But we also have to recognize true partnership and what it means to work with the global church and to identify that the global church around the world has all kinds of needs. In fact, some of the places where where we work are, are places that uh, are, are very difficult, you know, from communism to Islam to, to various closed issues, persecution, et cetera. And so in some of our places, our students and our leaders are really working through a lot of difficulties that we don't even necessarily comprehend at times, I think, in our culture here. In fact, in fact, combis, you know, we think about the Persian church and, and think about wh- wh- why should we partner with the Persian church? Why should we partner with that part of the global church in your mind? So Persian Church is the fastest growing church on the world right now. And um, because of the government, Islamic government pushed Islam to the people. So many people convert to Christianity and uh, they need uh, right theology. They need to know about Christ and they should have a good knowledge about the Bible. So this is the in Global Theological Initiative, we focus on the Persian world. Uh, this, when I say Persian speakers, is not just Iran. It's Iran, Afghanistan, and Tajikistan. We are talking about the 150 million population of the three countries. And also, they are, they are all around the world. We have students from 43 different countries. So they are scattered in all around the world, and we need to focus. They are the very uh, unique people who they are going to big army for being the missionary in everywhere they are in the 43 different countries. They are already they are in the field. If we train them, they can be missionary in the same place they are. Sure, and that's important. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of the dramatic slogans. I don't know what to call it mission statements that I often say is that, you know, I want to train the generals of the global church. And so for us in GTI, and Menu, I'm going to have you join in on this next answer along with Anna. What's One of the things that's really important to us, maybe unique, I don't know, I'm, we're not the only ones who do this, but, but certainly one of the things that's very important to us is that we contextualize this material. So we're training right now in eight different languages, but it's not just a language issue. It's the fact that even down to our syllabus level, we're, we're creating assignments that are asking the question, not are, you, not are you only learning this, but how would you actually teach this in your context? Because, you know, our, our goal is leadership development and training trainers. So, Anna, you have a Ph.D. in missiology. Talk to us a little bit. What, what is contextualization? Why is that important? Why should that matter? Sure. Well, contextualization, as Timothy Keller says, is just giving the Bible's answers to the culture's questions. And we want to do that in a way that has a force that the people can feel and is understandable. But it's not just about uh, contextualizing a message at at the end of the day. It's also about contextualizing the entire Christian life. So what does it mean for me to be a Christian in this culture? What does it mean for me to learn in this culture as a Christian? What does it mean? How how do I live out my life as a Christian in this culture? 
And when we work with the global church, we have to recognize that going into a cross-cultural setting requires us to recognize that sometimes the way that we would do it isn't the way that they would do it. We stay true to the gospel message. We stay true to the content of what the scripture says. But we have to be able to think through communicating it in such a way that is understandable in that particular context. I just want to bring up to the table one very good example in my office, what I've, we've done, and for the purpose of contextualizing things. Uh, one of the, the things that we did develop was the biblical counseling certificate program. Asian biblical counseling is much different than Western uh, biblical counseling, that how we understand about certain issues, family issues. Uh, Asian culture, we have a lot of very closed and isolated you know, issues that never been exposed to anybody. And so, and it's such a shame. This is a shame culture. So uh, nobody talks about any family issues to others or asking for any help or advice. That's why this world, biblical counseling, was very, very not developed much. And so we developed contextualized things that we have here in at Southeastern Seminary to to contextualize a lot of different issues in different ways, how we can better to minister to our brothers and sisters in Asian churches to better to teach about that and address these things and then so they can truly help other people in their church level and then also seminary level. Yeah, that's a great example. I also think one of the things that we do in GTI to contextualize is, is recognizing that our students really are the, the cultural mediators of the information. And so not only are we looking for ways to, to meet the needs like Minu's doing in his program, but we're also looking for who are the people that we can train who can then take the information and disseminate it in a culturally appropriate way. So we really do trust and lean on those students to be the mediators who are taking this and training everyone else. Other ways that we would be contextualizing in our GTI programs, um, we, we try to teach in language. We try to find people who've had experience in that culture, even if they don't, even if they aren't language experts. So we might lean on someone who's lived in that culture for a few years, even if they can't speak the language, because they have some understanding of the culture that I wouldn't have. Um, and so all of those things kind of take into consideration the context and give us a way forward in hopes of making the teaching, the theological education we're bringing culturally understandable. But then we're also really hoping that those students become the cultural mediators who say, how do I take this and teach it to others? And I think I think on a even a, a more specific level for us, you know, we we have your offices, Ricardo, your office, uh, Menu, your office is becoming that. Cumbies, even on in uh, in the work that we do in Farsi, there are some fairly general, wide open prog- study programs in language because our offices are the only ones that could really deal with the language and the cultural elements. Uh, and so, and if you're interested in that, if you're interested in uh, in studying in Spanish or studying some things in Korean or Farsi, you can always learn about that. You can learn about that even on our website at uh, sebts.edu, or you could email gti uh, at sebts.edu. I'll say that email again at the end. But a lot of what we do around the world is also about contextualized leadership development. Mm-hmm. 
uh, to where, you know, our goal is how can we help these, they might be professors, they might be denominational leaders, they might be key pastors, or they might uh, even be the leaders of mission boards. We've seen that. And so, and then they're going to train hopefully thousands of people. You know, the, you know, the goal in one sense is to train these trainers and then they don't need us anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would always love them and be friends, but we could move on. Uh, and then on some levels, like in the Farsi world, uh, and so, companies, you might want to talk about this. And Ricardo, I'd be interested in what you have to say about leadership development because of your own training and background. But in the Farsi world, because it's a young church, you know, part of what we're looking at is the need to train leaders on almost every level. You've got some some that have never been trained in anything at all theologically, and trying to develop a whole a whole genre of Christian leadership in a church coming out of Islam. So, how important is leadership development in your world? Development leaders in all cultures are important. So for the Iran, which is is the fastest growing church on the world, so we have massive movement of the Christianity. They are are converting to Christianity. But if they don't have a leader, they go everywhere. And there are many cult Christianity they are working also. Jehovah Witness are working. Mormonism they are working among the Iranians. So we need developed leaders to help them to come uh, to the right path and have a right theology. And also about the contextualization, I want to say two things. One of the things is that we are not going to change the culture. We are going to communicate in Christ cross-culturally. And for that reason, we should know what is their schema. And based on that, we give the other knowledge based on that schema they have. Sure. And Ricardo, you're engaged in leadership development beyond Southeastern uh, in your local church ministry and the other ministries you've been a part of throughout your life. So, so in your mind, just how important is this? How, uh, you know, developing leaders for the global church, how big is this? How, how, how important? Why does this matter? Well, we have a big challenge, and, and that challenge is global. And uh, the fact that we are able to train leaders in many different regions of the world help us even serve here in the U.S. as we are training these people to mobilize. And some of these people may even mobilize to other nations, and those other nations may even be the United States at some point. It is, it is important that we not just develop a mindset of leadership development that is quantitative, in, in how many leaders we are, but qualitative, that we are helping leaders become more Christ-like as they go through their theological training with us, and that we help them not only be more like Christ, but to lead more like Christ. And that we do in that consulting part that you mentioned, and uh, we want to help them. And I think that it, it, it is key for us as GTI to help these leaders know the word better, but also know how to lead better as they are developing their structures. And they, for you to be able to mobilize a church, you need to disciple a church and you need to lead that church in a Christ-like manner. And, and one of our strategies is, is, is what we would, you know, we call partnerships, but often we're in, engaged with an entity. It could be a school or it could be a, a denominational entity or a mission board. Uh, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we also have some more open programs to where there's not necessarily a, a true partnership. But, but partnership really matters to me, and part of the reason it matters is because I believe it's a two-way experience, or it's really not a partnership. 
And so for us, uh, and I just want our listeners to understand, you know, we, we work through memos of understanding and we have, we have schedules and we have structures to these degrees and certificates that we offer around the world. But there's also this incredible benefit back to Southeastern. When our professors go and teach, and they just had one of the greatest educational experiences of their life because they're teaching cream of the crop leaders in a cohort, they come back to this campus and it it feeds the ethos and DNA of this Great Commission Seminary. And so we feel like that part of what we do in GTI is also to keep the, the engine revved up. We're not the only one who does it, but, but to keep the Southeastern Missions engine moving forward. And we, we see students who want to be a part of this and, and hopefully students that we actually send overseas to do that. We also, as part of our strategy, there are some key specific missiological targets that we talk about. Um, that we're trying to hit. Uh, some of those are, are more obvious than others, but, but they're important to us. You know, we're, we're not just haphazard in how we do this. So, Anna, talk a, about a couple of these targets that we are, we're going after. We really do here at GTI hone in on some key specific missiological targets. For example, as, as Combees has already talked about, um, the the church in, in the, the Farsi-speaking church is one of the fastest growing in, in the world, if not the fastest growing in the world. Uh, we, we target four of the largest languages. Uh, we, we, we target the largest concentration of evangelical Christianity, which is actually in Africa, for those of you who don't know. Also, if you don't know, we're going to at some point in this series do a an episode specifically focusing on the, the church in Africa. So make sure you t- tune into that. Uh, we also are looking at how do we train women in the global church. Uh, very key, very important component. I always tell people you can't have a healthy global church if the women aren't healthy in the church. And we want them to learn how to handle the word of, of truth or, uh, in, a, in, a, in a way that's faithful to the scriptures. And we also look at some of these areas around the United States. What are some of the fast-growing ethnic populations in the United States? So that's where uh, some of the work that Minu is doing, some of the work that, uh, that Dr. Sanchez is doing, they're really focusing on some of these ethnic populations in the United States and asking how can we train those leaders and equip them and mobilize them for God's mission. Yeah, and as I mentioned in the uh, first episode, you know, there's a, an, a byline that I use in GTI all the time is we create and we consult. Sometimes we're creating opportunities where none exist. Sometimes we're consulting with an existing entity. So this is for all of you. Share some examples of some specific strategic methodologies coming out of your office. Uh, some of you may hear these repeated again in later episodes. We're going we're gonna to break out each office into later episodes so we can go into a little more detail. But just in general, what are some of the strategies and methodologies you're using right now to, to hit some of these missiological targets or, or others that we haven't mentioned so far? So talk a little bit about what your office is doing. Menu, we're going to start with you, and we'll just, let's just go uh, across the panel and let you share for a few minutes about uh, just a few things. Yes, I just want to share two things that uh, what what I have done and then I'm doing here in my office to for for better for us to actually strategically uh, utilizing these to reach out to our target groups. Of course, we always have a partnership group in the region in the country for Chinese uh, network leaders. Just want to tell a little specific about this group. Since they are in all over in China and uh, network online is not really working there, 
for security reason. And so what we have done one time before was that we bring out all these uh, leaders, students, to come out of to out to a specific location. And so we gather together and we train them and then send them back to where they are from. And so this is one of the ways that we actually do things to make this ha- uh, make this uh, theological training going. And also Korea churches, um, there are a lot of churches in Korea and we group them, uh, the very like-minded churches, uh, evangelical and missional, and try to uh, have more leaders to be more missional. So we have this group of uh, churches uh, as a one network, and we have done our MOU uh, partnership, and so that we're training the church leaders there to be more missional so that they can, when they are going to anywhere surrounding countries and serving, working anywhere, uh, they become uh, missional, what they do, missional work there. Well, in the Hispanic office, we are consulting at different levels. We are helping uh, our state conventions and national convention, also the, the SBC, with training for the pastors and leaders of the different uh, churches and, and uh, associations so that they can learn not just the theological underpinnings of what their calling requires, but also how to do this practically, how to, how to pursue developing healthy teams, how to, how to work on that, how to understand where, uh, what stage their local church is in their life cycle and how to remain on a healthy side of that stage. And uh, also at other levels, we, we're helping the local churches build their teams as well. We strongly believe in our office that um, Hispanic pastors who don't develop a strong leadership team are not going to last long, unfortunately. And uh, being the, the fastest growing population uh, group in the United States, I think we, uh, we have a, a major problem. We have a, an urgent problem as well. We, this, this situation we are, we are seeing in the Hispanic community trying to find things that and and places where they can be trained and where they can be taught the word of God in a way that is faithful that requires not just the the missional part of the of the church but also the structural part to be developed and we need to be able as the church to address this in a way that's responsible that is uh, with a sense of urgency and that is uh, well thought out so that's part of what our office in the Hispanic world is doing. We want to help local churches in the U.S. and in the rest of the world to be stronger, a structure of leadership, and to be in the Word of God in a way that uh, brings glory to God himself. So that was great, Dr. Sanchez. So I'm going to talk about the Persian leadership development. Our office, we do some strategic things also for, uh, for working among the Persian-speaking. Because the, as we said, the Persian-speaking churches is the fastest-growing church, and the, there is a massive movement happening, and they need right theology. So for that reason, we are partnering with the ch- local churches because we believe we should strengthen local churches. So we opened the program and um, we opened uh, some 
courses for local churches and we give access to pastors to grade their members. So this way we are we have a partnership with our uh, local churches and if they are our partner uh, in teaching process. And also other things because of the Iran situation, political situation. We don't know if we have a spy, if the, uh, our government trying to come to our program, damage our program. So for that reason, we offer free online theology courses in Mojdeh Ministry, M-O-J-D-E-H. The meaning of Mojdeh is good news. So we free, uh, offer free online theology courses, and we are using the very secure server to offer this training. People that come there, right now we have 3,500 students are in our program. So we let them they be there and we try and uh, we select them. If they are, we trust them, we select them to bring them to the Southeastern program. Well, here in the Department of Special Projects and Partnerships, we often joke that my title is about the most ambiguous one ever. <laughs> and intentionally so, I think. Um, <laughs> Dr. Europe mentioned earlier that I work with women in the global church. I specifically work on some doctoral programs, but I also lead some of the initiatives that are happening in areas that are not covered by the other directors. So we've got the Spanish-speaking initiative, we have the Farsi-speaking initiative, we have the East Asian geographic focus, and then the rest of the world is my oyster. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but because of that, I get to be a part of some really strategic and unique opportunities. So for example, right now, we are in the middle of a partnership with the Brazilian National Mission Board. And they've actually had a good problem come out of COVID in the fact that they've had all these people who've said, I want to be a missionary and have given their life to missions. And now they're saying, we don't have enough people to that are in leadership positions that can train this influx of missionaries that we've had. And so we're actually going to train the trainers of the missionaries that are getting ready to go on the field. And so I've got, a, I've got last night I taught a class that was about 55 students from across the entire country of Brazil who are in various places from the Amazon to the southern tip of Brazil. And uh, they are excited to be able to learn this information and turn around and train the next generation of missionaries in Brazil. I'm also working in Ukraine with a upcoming cohort. We're in the admissions process right now. But this is going to be a specific MTS that focuses on biblical counseling. Because we all recognize with the current situation in Ukraine, there's a lot of trauma, there's a lot of grief. And so how do we help them train people who will then turn around and train others to be able to help walk people through this grief in a way that's biblical. Finally, I know, you, I know you said two, but I'm going with three. I'm strategically trying to consider some partnerships with women uh, in the global church, specifically right now focusing on Francophone West Africa. And I'm excited that we may be, we're, we're, we're starting to plan a, a mission trip that would basically partner our students here at Southeastern, our female students here at Southeastern, going and helping lead a conference on biblical exposition in Togo. And so I'm very excited about that potential, and I look forward to our students getting to meet some of our global partners. So there's a lot going on in the GTI world. You may be listening to this and saying, hey, would GTI partner with me? Well, uh, there's a process for asking that question. We actually have an application that we ask potential partners to complete. That, that's not only helpful in giving us the information and kind of answering the questions that we need answered, but it also helps us with our accreditation to show that there's an official request being made. Everything that we do, uh, we try to do very well, and we do try to meet, uh, well, we don't try. We meet our accreditation standards on every level when they're required, and, 
And so there are some formalities that we walk through. But the best way to do that is seriously to email gti at sebts.edu. Just tell, uh, tell, tell them in the email that you are listening to the podcast and that you're interested in learning more about how to be a potential partner with uh, Southeastern and the GTI program. And one of us will get back in touch with you soon. Yeah, these offices vary a lot. There's a, a massive amount of workload uh, and uh, the potential workload is is as big as the world, literally. And so when you, you think in terms of what are we doing in Europe, what are we doing in Africa, what are we doing in South and Central America, the Caribbean, Asia, across the Middle East and Central Asia, uh, there's just a huge need out there. So here's the final exam. Let me be Dr. Ewart for a moment. And this is open mic for anyone and everyone. If I were to ask you the simple question, what do we pray the end goal is for GTI? What's the end goal of all this? What do we want the outcome to be? I'm just, I am curious myself as to how you, as part of the team that I work with, will answer this question. So uh, I'm going to allow all of you to hop in and share what you think. I guess that's <laughs> me first. Uh, well, our end goal is that nobody else need us our training or partnership because they're very much in succeeding in their ministry and what they're doing. Uh, Because what we believe, what we hope to see in our partnership and our partner group to be able to succeed uh, with their theological training, continuously doing that. And so there's much more next generation leaders are raising and so they can take up the lead. And so they become more missional, and they do that, the same thing that what we do to go ahead and, you know, surrounding countries, diversity in the same culture group, and so that they can, that we all together can fulfill the mission here, Great Commission. I think the goal uh, is kind of multifaceted. I think on one side, we want to have good, strong, biblically faithful, contextually appropriate, missionally oriented theological education available to anyone around the world. I also think that we want to see the leaders of the global church, wherever they are, take on the mantle of the Great Commission and be willing to take the gospel to the hard places. And so I, I think that's th- those would be the two main points that I would say are the end goals of Global Theological Initiatives. Well, not much to add to uh, those two. We believe that training the leadership of the global church is a is an essential aspect of making disciples. So make disciples, and um, as Dr. Dow well stated, it, it is our DNA of being a seminary of uh, a Great Commission seminary. It is key. It is essential. It is a medular aspect of why we exist. Really, I want to say thank you to GTI, to Southeastern, to Dr. Yurt for opening this door and uh, providing this opportunity for Persian leadership, Persian speaker churches to come and study in their own language. This is the only accredited college and seminary in Farsi for theology. This is the unique opportunity for Persian leader. And um, this is the main things. We want to train leaders and develop leaders to be effective in their own culture. Yeah, those are all great. You know, I, I think for me, you know, I'm, a, I'm just an old pastor missionary at heart. And uh, my good friend Danny Aiken says often, you know, I just want, I just want to see Revelation 5 and 7. You know, I, I'm probably, with, <laughs> with who I've been in my life before Christ, I, I'm probably going to be the guy in the back of the room with 
clothes that are a little smoky. Uh, I'll be the guy with the solid gold, jewel-encrusted mop bucket taking care of those golden streets back there. But I look forward to looking up front and seeing people from every tribe and every tongue and every nation. And I, I just don't believe that we're going to be able to do that by ourselves. We've, we've got to all join together with brothers and sisters around the world. And, uh, and as Menu said, I hope one day they don't need us anymore. Mm-hmm. I hope that we'll be friends, consultants. Maybe we teach adjunctively for them. I once said to a group from, they were from about four different countries in sub-Saharan Africa. We met in Uganda and they were all, they're all teaching and faculty members of different schools. And I told them that I said, you know, one of my dreams one day would be that when we teach classes like this, that every single textbook was written by them. And so to think that the global church doesn't need high-quality theological training is naive, and it's dangerous because they are going to get training. Uh, And around the world, we see aberrant, unorthodox theology constantly. And if somebody is not teaching them the truth, then the safeguard for the flock is just not strong. So so I look forward to that. I look forward one day to being in that room to worship with everyone. So we're going to continue to run around the world and uh, try to help as much as we can. And, and we appreciate you praying for us as listeners. In fact, let's think about a few prayer requests just as we go around the room. Just think of one or two prayer requests that you think would be important for our listeners to lift up to us before we start wrapping this up. I would say for our partnerships uh, in the special projects and and partnerships department, specifically pray for just technology to work out. Uh, When you're in a Zoom room with people from the Amazon down to the southern tip of Brazil, you can just have a lot of technological issues that can happen. Uh, I'd also say for our Ukrainian partnership, just pray for wisdom as we think about what can we do face-to-face, what can we do uh, online it's just we've got to navigate a very active uh, and intense situation there. And, and that not just for our, sh- our professors that are going, but also our students who are gathering. And so just pray for wisdom for us as we think through those formalities. I would say please pray for leaders and pastors in Iran and Afghanistan. They are under persecution. Some of them they are in prison. 38% of our students in March that they are in Iran, 4% they are in Afghanistan. Even with the situation in Afghanistan with the Taliban, still they are logging and they study. Please pray for them. God provide the security for them, God protect them and use them for his glory in their, uh, that area they are. Uh, for, yes, pray for the partners, partnerships and then all the Chinese network leaders and then house church leaders and also, all these church leaders under persecution in closed country, uh, that they may be sustained and then strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit, and specifically for pray for the Christians outside of these countries may find ways to support and encourage them through giving, prayer, and, and sending. Um, in the Hispanic world, I would, I would say uh, it's twofold. Please pray for um, Hispanic pastors here in the U.S. and Anglo pastors who are embracing the outreach to Hispanics in their local, in their communities, in their local church, that uh, may God give them wisdom in how to address this in a way that is well contextualized and in a way that is meaningful to the community uh, and in a way that is uh, honoring to God and also for the pastors 
and seminary leaders all over the world who are leading these efforts in communities where they have to um, raise funding for everything they do. And uh, it's very complicated to get resources without funding. And uh, when I mean resources, I'm talking about textbooks. I'm talking about uh, access to technology like Dr. Daub was talking about. In Africa, technology is readily available in most parts of the world, but is not accessible for people who don't have the resources at times. And uh, uh, we have a, a strong theological community growing in Cuba, and there's no way to guarantee internet connection or electricity. So we have to be to get very creative in how we address those places. And may these men and women who are teaching and, and helping build these structures, may they be strengthened and uh, may, may they come to a, a, a greater knowledge of God through all these uh, problems that they go through as they are serving God. Yeah, thank you all. These are, these are huge and crucial. And for our listeners out there, you know, prayer uh, is not something we take lightly. It's, uh, it's key for what we do. And our partners around the world and, and here in the United States have a deep appreciation for your love and prayers. And so please continue to pray for us. Again, you may know of someone, and you know, I know somebody who would benefit if they could study in Spanish, or I know somebody who would really be blessed if they could study in Korean or in Farsi or or some other language, don't, don't hesitate to email us and just send us some information at gti at sebts.edu. If you're interested in learning more, maybe you're interested in learning how you could support GTI in a greater way, that email address, again, will work well. You can also go to the Southeastern website and find pages about GTI. And you can certainly look up the Center for Great Commission Studies both on the website and also on social media. And again, we appreciate so much the leadership there. They're partners with us in this. We work together uh, with the center, and we appreciate them very much. So I hope that this episode was helpful to you. I hope it was informative. I know it might have been a lot to digest. We're going to break out in a a series of episodes, each of these offices. We're also going to have some of our international partners join us. And so I I hope that you'll tune in. You'll, You'll be blessed. You'll certainly have things to pray for. And you'll meet some new friends all around the world uh, by joining us. So thank you again for joining us from the Four Corners, uh, the Scent Life Stories of the Global Church. And we hope that you'll share this episode with everyone you know and also tune in next time and join us again. Thank you so much.